The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Liz Cully, and today is my birthday, and I am joined by my beautiful, freckle-faced, very athletic, oh. smart oh, wow. co-host, it's your Darren birthday. The, it's your birthday week. And I get all these compliments. Oh, my God. And are you upset? Because I do look like I did just work out. And I and we know that you look amazing on these podcasts oh and I don't look great. Are you OK with how I look for this intro for your birthday? I felt like I wanted to come in style. No, I think you did. What does Thank it you. say on your T-shirt? Paris. St. Germain Football Club. Okay, girl. I'm yeah, here, I'm here dude, for it. That is a soccer club, a football club, as they say. So, uh it's my workout shirt, all right? Don't don't fucking worry about it. But Liz, I I don't even care about anything that you say this week because I'm back with Nadine. Like I know. you could insult me a million ways till Sunday, and I feel just so good about it. We're gonna celebrate your birthday on Friday, maybe if you invite me out, depending on what we're doing. I wanna hear about what you're gonna do so I can come crash. I'll text Rach. But I'm just like I'm, I'm in bliss land right now, homie. No, I know you um, texted me from the airplane to say that your vagina was throbbing. So I um, appreciated I said that. Pulsating. And oh, yeah. I would just. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cool, 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 cool. Thanks for the real time update. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I just like to give you real time updates on what my vagina is doing at all times. Thank you. You're welcome. That. You're welcome. Um, how is how is Nadine? Is she so happy? Your your video was funny because you were like, I'm so happy. And she's just like, deuce it. It was just very I, funny. The problem was, is that like, oddly enough, like we were actually having car trouble and I just like chose the most inopportune. Like normally, like Nadine is the happiest, like just yeah. go lucky person. The video actually worked because it showed how excited I was and maybe she wasn't, but she was going through car trouble at the moment. So I did feel a little bit bad afterwards, but it feels very good to be back and with her. And yeah, we're just out in LA kind of for the week. Hopefully I'll get to see you because- you're turning 36 Six. this 36. week. Okay. 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 Today. Today how is you, the day. Today um, on the release date. Yeah. How do you feel about being 36? It's fine. Nine is my favorite number. So three plus six is nine. Okay. That's interesting. You know, my I'm 33 birthday, and three times three is nine. So see, there you go. Okay. You know, my birthday is a shitty time because as you get older, more people travel because it's around the 4th of July a little bit. So it's never like so, anybody and it, you never were in school to celebrate with exactly. friends. So you just exactly I get I've it. had some ragers here in L.A., but it's still like, listen, things are open, but it's still people are a little like wary. You can't really get a dinner reservation for more than six people. I'm just going to. uh a Mexican restaurant with some friends and that's it. Which should, Mexican restaurant? Casita del Campo, which is a queer, oh. the, like one of the first queer Mexican restaurants or something in Silver Lake. Oh, it's in Silver Lake. Yeah. Don't oh. worry, we'll meet up. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, okay, good. Because, you know, Black Cat's in Silver Lake, which is like uh, like a historical landmark. And then Andy used to go to a Mexican restaurant, with, which I've been with him. And I want to say it's in West Hollywood and it starts with an El M. Compadre. No, oh, it starts with an M. Merrick's. Uh, Merrick's. That place is an X, so right? gross. Yes. He was like, I've been going here for 30 years. Like, he's taking me there. Like, it was Mexican Ugh. food. It didn't seem overly like a gay spot. So I wasn't sure. It's super if it, gay. Okay. Just meaning like gay people go there. They're like gay nights. Well, like, what does I that actually mean? used to live right on that street right there. It's like. It's West Hollywood, West right? Hollywood. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I used okay. to live right there. 
I just think the food is really bad and it's just not my vibe. So anyway, so that's what we're doing. We're keeping it very chill. Next week, I'll be in Philadelphia at my in-laws house, which is. Man, you have had a family packed month because you didn't bring Rachel to go see your, to just go see her in-laws, your family, because you wanted to stay married, as you said, Yeah, uh, which is a fair point. And I do think that that's a good priority to have. She does not feel that same way about you or her, her, your in-laws are more tolerable than her in-laws. Neither. No, they're both oh. the worst. Here's the thing that I, here's, here's what I'm going to let you know, Darren, yeah, as I you know you're, know. you're, I know you're headed toward wedded bliss. The rules don't apply what both do we, ways. So, oh, so there's I double think, standards. Oh, big time, big time, especially being married to a woman. Cause let me, you know, for Break some of the listeners me. that know yeah. I've dabbled on both sides of the fence here. You are Men bisexual. can be more agreeable to things. Actually two women rules are different every day. The standards are high and you cannot fuck up and not meet the standard or you're really in trouble. But like she, no problem. Oh yeah. You go to Florida by yourself. No big deal. Oh, well, well she, but that's good I, for her. Yeah, of course. Like, but if I'm like, I'm not going to Philly, she's like, Oh, the hell you aren't. So I'm just going to like, how long are you there for four days? See that's, but however, this is what I've now decided. I said, okay, fine. I will not visit my parents for more than four days and we will not visit your parents for more for more than four days because it's too much. It's too much. Four days is, I think, the max amount to spend almost with anyone that isn't your significant other. I the last time I went to Rachel's parents house was Christmas and we stayed for eight days. And on the sixth or seventh. And by the way, I drugged myself by mistake. I thought I was eating 10 milligrams of CBD. And I ate 10 milligrams of THC, which for me is like the equivalent of eating half an eighth of mushrooms. Like (laughs) I was a complete disaster and it was not cute. So, I mean, there were so many things that I got lost in a Wegmans. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those places. I love a Wegmans though. Dude, they're insane. Okay, but get lost in a Wegmans or a Costco and I'm here for it. Like I'd be happily lost. They have a cheese world. Yeah, right. Like the the samples. I mean like- King of Crush them all. Couldn't find my way out of it. So by the last day, I locked myself. They have like a powder room in their- basement and I had locked myself in the powder room of the basement yeah, just to like hide from everyone. Like that's what was the last time I went to her Eight parents' days house. is too much. So it's too much. So anyway, so that's what we're, what we're gearing up for. But I'm sorry you know, to miss you because I'll be in Philly two weeks after you for my cousin's wedding. And <sighs> bummer. I wish I had the chance to meet my in-laws as well there, but alas, you know, I'll have to tell Rachel, I'll have to wait. They'll have to wait to meet me. I know. I know. Well, speaking of family and family dramas and and all the family holidays, our guest this week is a very good friend of yours, Jenna Lorenzo. She's super hot. She's in the family. Oh, that's not me saying that. That is you saying that. You don't think she's hot? She's very I mean, hot. I don't, I, uh, she's very she's hot. She's like a I'm sister just saying to you, I guess. It's normally, no, she's just, a, she's a friend. I, I, I feel the same way, but normally it's me being like, oh, that person's so attractive. I just want the audience to realize it's you saying that this week. I feel like I normally get oh. caught in this, but. Oh, okay. You know. yeah. yeah. Jenna Lorenzo is hot. There you go. And she's a friend of yours and yep. she created a film kind of about family holiday drama with a star-studded cast that i've seen uh actually private screening with her and a couple of her close friends which was really nice um so you're gonna get to hear her talk about it but yeah she's she's a independent filmmaker and she's gay and just all sorts of awesome so where we were excited to kind of talk to her 
And yeah, I guess she's hot. There you go, Liz. There's your Wait, do you want to know what's really interesting? Is what? I just put in Jenna Lorenzo in Google. And the first thing that comes up is Jenna Lorenzo puppy. But I don't know why it auto-corrected. Like you, you Google search it or like you're typing it in and then the first option that comes up past yeah, Jenna. Yeah, like, no, it like people also searched for Jenna Lorenzo dog, Jenna Lorenzo puppy. What? Jenna Lorenzo puppy's Instagram. Oh. I don't know. Interesting. We should have right? asked her about this. I don't, we're, maybe it's not the same person. Very fascinating, but. No, I, I, yeah, I don't know what's her. happening. I'll text her Ask about her. this and get get an update. But anyway, so really amazing uh, film about, you know, Thanksgiving kind of. Coming vibes. out. Yes, called Les Bomb. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, the, the queer family holiday, it was a, 2020 was like the real year. Well, when did, uh, that, when did that other one come out that we were? The I case think it was end one? of two. Yeah, it was 2020. Happiest season came out like, yes. a, like a little under a year ago. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it and was so, that. Which I think is, by the way, pretty fucking amazing about how far we've come. Because like now we can like even Lifetime is having some gay people in it. Like now we can start saying like the holidays, which are arguably gay in the first place, are now finally celebrating the people that have been celebrating them all along, which I think is a good thing. It shows how far we've come. And you mentioned like an all-star cast. Like she has fucking Cloris Leachman. Cloris fucking Leachman. And Bruce Dern and Kevin Pollack in the movie. Like this is not like small potatoes. She stars in it. So let's just- Oh yeah, that's right. And she stars in it. Anyway, well- Jenna Lorenzo's dog is coming up next. I hope you guys enjoy uh, (laughs) Jenna Lorenzo's dog, apparently. This will be good. This is puppy. Jenna Lorenzo's puppy. puppy. Uh, But yeah, no, enjoy the episode, guys. And if you haven't checked out Les Bomb before this, please do afterward. I believe you can find that right on Amazon. And do us both a favor. Go and give Jenna, she and her film, Les Bomb, an amazing review on Amazon. And then do us a favor and and rate, subscribe, and like, and give us a couple of stars for this podcast too, please. We need it. We desperately need it. Uh, <laughs> we desperately we need de- it. We're not even going to, we're not even, we're begging at this point. Uh, we are begging, but without further ado, please enjoy Jenna Lorenzo. Liz, uh, I just realized I yelled at you saying Liz and I no, apologize I'm like, att- for doing that. Present, present. Yes, that's, that's what I was like. <laughs> hey, Liz. Um, okay, well, our next guest is a good friend of mine, actually a former coworker of mine. Oh. We actually met through work, shockingly about that, and I can give you kind of the background on that. But uh, we have Jenna Lorenzo in the house. Now, Jenna, I mean, this bio is like, you're making it's me long. and Liz look to like be honest we're with fucking you, I'm pathetic. Mi- I'm mildly hungover, so I yeah. was like... <laughs> Darren, take it away on. Well, yeah, I was like, I, I don't even know if I can say all this because it's so fucking fantastic. But Jenna is an award-winning director, writer, star of Lesbom. Uh, Lesbom actually made its premiere at Gina Davis's Hello, League of Their Own, Bentonville Film Festival, where it won Best Narrative Jury Award. Uh, it had a theatrical release, actually, in November of 2018. I saw a private screening with Jenna herself at an apartment. Ooh. Okay, just... 
dusting off my shoulders here. Uh, you know, Jenna was actually selected for Shoot Online's 2018 New Director Showcase, the Film Society of Lincoln Center's 2018 Artist Academy. She can be seen in Peter Farelli's Academy Award-winning Green Book and is currently developing her new next feature with Red Hour. She was actually selected to participate in the 2020 inaugural class of the See It, Be It Filmmaker Fellowship. We're going to have to hear more about that, which is actually a joint program between Bentonville and the Coca-Cola Foundation as part of Gina Davis's Bentonville Film Foundation. In May, Jenna directed a pilot produced by Jason Netter and Kickstart Productions at Arkansas's first COVID safe set. Most recently, Jenna released Girl Night Stand Chapter 2, along with her first single, The River, a song she also fucking wrote for the follow-up short, because this person is multi-talented. Jenna Lorenzo, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. (laughs) <laughs> Hi, thank you. Now, that you just said that so well, and I just love when scissoring follows a bio. <laughs> right? It's it always should. It always should. If not now, it, it we're making that a statement for sure. Also, can we just like really quickly before we get into all of our questions? Yeah, like Gina Davis is such a glow, mm. like a real hitter. She's a tall glass of water. Oh yeah, I mean. She's I like, mean She's like six one, isn't she? She's like tall. Yeah, she's so many dreams come true all at once. Like <laughs> every she, dream come true. She's like an Olympic archer, I think. Like yes. she did archery in a weird way. These are yeah. the weird facts I pull, right, Jenna? Do you know yeah, this? I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. She emailed me and I took a screen grab where it just says from Gina Davis. Hi, Jenna. And I just have it like as my background when I'm having a very like sad day. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> I would yes. put that as wallpaper, like in every room, just wallpaper every room with it. Like, wow, what a get. What a get. What a I get. mean, such a get. Well, Jenna, we like to give all of our guests the opportunity to identify themselves, whether that's gender and sexuality or whatever you feel comfortable with. But how would you identify? Well, I usually refer to myself as a, a- queer filmmaker and pronouns she, her, but I also go by Aquarius who loves Mm. astrology. (laughs) You obviously are an Aquarius. Yes. Also, Darren, should we just be asking what people's signs are? Sorry, I'm thinking on the spot. People do like, like really, like it is, it is a topic of conversation of something that I really know nothing about, but it is polarizing. Like I'll say something and people are like, oh, you must, when's your birthday? Like people will always <laughs> say that as a response. Like what are some qualities of an Aquarius I need to be aware of? You know, I think that astrology is just so much more complicated than we give it when we say our, like our sun signs. I mean, we could have a whole right conversation about this and it's just a tangent but I always find it so interesting when we start talking about like I'm interested in like sexuality and the fluidity of it and then um when you just introduce the stars I'm always like well this just feels magical (laughs) (laughs) and and just to follow up even what you said even though I know that you like maybe queer Aquarius uh, if you will if someone called you a lesbian, would that be incorrect? Or would you take that moniker on your own? Or what do you think about that? Yeah, I actually love lesbian. Um, okay. I just found that when I was going around with Lesbom and Girl Night Stand, I found that those like labels in general had a polarizing effect, um, depending on the audience that was like on the receiving end. So I just thought that the term queer just felt more um, all encompassing when I started talking about creating content within that space. Got it. 
That makes a lot of sense. And so let's let's take it back to maybe a baby Lorenzo here. Where did you grow up? And uh, do you have any siblings? Give me a little bit of your background. I grew up in Jersey, North Jersey. Just right like now. me, baby. <laughs> Jersey strong, yes. So much Jersey pride. Yes. And um, I do have a sibling. I have a younger brother who is like nothing like he's depicted in the film. But yeah, he is much cooler. Is he straight? Very. Okay, very straight. Okay. He is a line. He is a straight line of a man. I mean, listen, we grew up in very similar areas, obviously pretty progressive, but there are, there are nuances within those progressive places, but we both grew up in, you know, kind of suburbs of Manhattan here. How did you come out? Walk us through that. When did you know? Who did you come out to? Did you know? Walk us through that story. I did not know. I was like very disconnected to um, my sexuality. And I think in like, in a way, because I hadn't been exposed to um, all the options. When you mean you haven't, but you weren't exposed, sorry, not to cut you off, but when you mean you weren't exposed, like you just didn't see or know gay people? Yeah, I didn't know any lesbians. I didn't know, like that was a... I, I don't know. Bang. I, I, used, I yeah. saw them on TV, you know, but like, it was like different. And then, um, I went to college and like, bam, I met somebody who I like had immediate feelings for. And I was like, Oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like when you like, like someone. I thought I was just kind of like, just like too even keeled, which if anybody knows me, they would never described me as even keeled you right. know but I thought that like uh that's uh I thought that's where I was with having like crushes on people because like there were like guys and I'd be like sort of interested but right. and I thought that that was just kind of like how I was wired and then um it wasn't until college that I sort of had that feeling or that awakening and did you, you had an immediate crush? Was she like a best friend? Was she also queer? Yes, like definitely a best friend. Okay. She's not queer. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I, yeah, you know, and then. I'm and laughing then, with you, Jenna. I'm laughing with yeah. you because I feel I like mean, I know where all, it's going. We've all been yeah. there. We've all been there. <laughs> it's a bummer. Yes. Definitely not. Um, but thank you for awakening that sparkle. Yeah. Um, but I was surrounded by people who identified as queer. And and I think seeing that, I realized that all of a sudden there was like this, that life might, you know, veer in a different direction. Makes sense. So when you realize that, when you're like, okay, like maybe I'm not straight. I don't know what I am, but maybe I'm not straight. Right. How did you verbalize this to anyone else outside of you? Did you verbalize oh, it? I mean, this is like, I feel like, and so is born me wanting to write comedy. I, yes. at first I thought I was just open. You know, it's just like open to being attracted to the person's soul. I think yeah. that's how it all starts. Yeah, you know, that's what I think. We're always like, we love the people. No one's attracted to like genitalia. No one's like, oh my God, you have a vagina. I love that. Like, that's never what it is, right? There's something always I feel deeper. Like, well, first of all, Darren, thank you for saying that because I feel seen and I feel validated. <laughs> like, I don't have it. There's nothing wrong with genitalia, obviously, but I don't no. know. I, I've never been one to be like, I love to like just stare at vaginas yeah <laughs> i don't know it's so funny because i've had a conversation with people who um, don't tell I, my wife <laughs> yeah <laughs> you I both have wives so there you go you both have something to own up to maybe here i like recently was just saying to a friend because she's like i just like i i don't know i just like i don't think i can look at a 
a, a vagina. And I was like, I don't know who's waking up and being like, I can't wait to stare at vaginas. Like, I don't know if that. <laughs> Like, I don't know if that's like a indicator of, any, I don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't think I'm it's an glad, indicator of anything. Yeah, I don't. I'm happy to hear this from the two of you because I've been over here wondering what I was like, Ooh, yes, of course they're beautiful and but like, whatever. But anyway, I, I not to derail your beautiful no, but it's, coming it, out You make story. a good point because like, I know plenty of heterosexual women who are like, ew, penis or like, ew, blowjob. So it's like, why couldn't the reverse, I'm not saying ew, vagina, but I'm also saying that like, maybe that's not the first thing I'm thinking about when I want to go out with someone. For me, like, it's boobs, exclusively boobs. There you go. Anyway, Jenna, sorry to derail you. <laughs> um, oh my boobs, where did we leave off? Oh, yeah. I, so I thought I was just open and then like I made out with a, a girlfriend and I was like, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like, like we kept making out and I remember going home for Thanksgiving and being like, guys, you know how you just like make out with, <laughs> with like your girlfriends? And they were like, no, I don't know how I do that. <laughs> They're like, that's so like, funny. Never no, done that at all, actually, Jenna. Not at all. <laughs> I just like, tried to like slide it in there, you know, it's yeah. like, like a casual Friday cast. Right. You know, when you're touching your best friend's boob in a sexual way and you're hanging out, it's like, no, never, never did that. All right. I know. It's funny, though, because I feel like we've had other people on the show. Like we had Heidi in Closet from Drag Race on. And remember, Heidi was like, yeah, I was just like sleeping in the bed with my guy friend. And we were like, yeah, mm, we're like we're that's like, so mm. interesting. That's yeah. not typical. <laughs> but OK, cool. So they were like, no. Did you feel shame when you were like, oh, it's just yeah I did I felt sort of like oh okay I I wasn't being clear but I think that like I was looking for permission Mm. and like kind of like baiting them to be like whatever you're doing is totally fine but like I don't know if anybody has sort of the emotional intelligence when it comes to like people that you've grown up with and you sort of see them in a certain way and then they're kind of like pulling that they're like making this like very strong turn and ask and be asking to be seen and heard in this new light. So I think if I had been like, I'm attracted to women, they would have been like, cool. I'm just like making out with my friend. And they're like, why? Right. Sometimes I think that you need to almost like I've said this before on the show. It's like the hardest person for me to come out with was myself. And it was really just being confident enough to be like, no, I'm not this. I'm I'm a lesbian. I'm I'm attracted to women. I want to be with women. And like that takes a little courage sometimes because it's so different. It's like not what we're taught to kind of say about ourselves. Not that, you know, and were your, once you kind of had that verbalization, were you, did you come out to your family? Did you say anything to your family? Yeah, I did. I, I did, I did the sort, same sort of thing with my family where I was kind of like testing the waters. And I think that lack of clarity prolonged mm. the coming out process in a way that would have been just so much better if I just pulled the bandaid and I owned it. But I think that's like, like anything, it's kind of, it's so much easier when you have that kind of self-trust and you're grounded in your own personal journey without mm-hmm. needing it to be validated by others. Yeah, yeah, real talk. Did you, when you started to date women more, how did you feel about it? Did you feel a sense of like, were you excited? Were you a little scared? Did you kind of feel a power in that? Like, how did you feel when you started to like own it and not just make out in the closet with yeah, your friend. Sure. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of empowerment. And I think 
part of that was because it was one of the first times in my life that I really stepped outside the lines and went against expectations. And it felt like really doing something that was in totality for myself. And then like after that, it was like the sense of freedom. And I was sure. like, oh my God, and I, women are so beautiful and like inspiring. And like, as, as an artist, I was like, I'm so inspired yeah. <laughs> in a way I haven't been. Oh my God. I want to write. I want to sing. I want to. <laughs> yeah, it's called an orgasm, Jenna. Yeah. I don't know how to yeah. tell It's called an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when um, I had an orgasm, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. came <laughs> You're like, that's so funny. I'm like like, creating Lilith Fair in my living room. (laughs) Queerness is obviously at the center of a lot of things that you've created. I'm sure you've created things that maybe didn't involve that, but obviously comedy and queer and coming out and being okay kind of with these things uh, go hand in hand with your work. Do, is it because comedy helps a lot of people to come out? Do you think it's just easier for people to digest it? What's your reasoning? Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, this is sort of a, a long winded question and I'll keep it as short as possible. But like I was in, when I did semester at sea, when I was in college and we were on um, a ship. Okay. First of all, sorry for doing this again. Yeah. But if there was one thing I like <laughs> envied and wish I had done was semester at sea because oh, that shit looked <laughs> insane. I would watch my friends on the East Coast and like, here I am on a boat, like basically going buck wild and then just <laughs> going into different ports all over the place. Anyway, another show, another time. We'll talk about your star sign, your moon and fucking semester at sea. Semester because I'm C next Tuesday will be the spinoff exactly. of, of, this, exactly. of this program. Exactly. All right. So casually back to semester at sea. Yes. Continue. Yeah, so like, we were the ship that almost capsized in 2005. And so oh. <laughs> what? It was, it was terrifying. I thought I was going to die. They, oh my assigned, God. they assigned this guy like Brian to hold on to my waist and he was like up to my waist and I felt like I should be holding on to Brian and like it was and I was like I was so mad that I was gonna that it was nothing like Titanic it wasn't romantic this is how it's going down this took and a like, turn Jenna yeah I just like made a joke and I couldn't believe nobody knew I was gay and like I was like can't believe we die and nobody knows thing and I and I think in that I fell in love with comedy or I saw the effect a joke had in like this like very high stakes scenario. And I think that's when I fell in love with like comedy, always available, even in the hardest. <laughs> Do you I think have no words? I, I did not think we were going to go for me asking I, a question about like coming out in comedy to like, so I was on the Titanic and Jack's literally. holding me on a door. Um, but do you think for you in that moment or even in your film, comedy is really about making you comfortable or making other people comfortable? So I think personally, Les Mom came out of a movie that I was looking for, but couldn't find. I thought a lot of the narratives that dealt with coming out were very dramatic. And I think that sometimes that can feel heavy handed with like a broad comedy. You can invite an audience in that might not necessarily gravitate to the subject matter. And then it's kind of like a Trojan horse, like the messaging you're, you're already invested before the messaging actually hits home. And I think comedy is a great way to invite people into that conversation and 
really laughter is such a wonderful way to unite an audience. It's universal language. Totally. Yeah. And so like in my life, I definitely use comedy to deflect emotion when I'm like not wanting to participate in feeling. But like when I'm writing, I'm always trying to look for ways to disarm the audience. And so they're kind of like cracked open before trying to land some sort of messaging. So it doesn't feel like it's being delivered. That makes sense. You kind of talked about how Lesbom in some way probably pulled from your family experience in your life. I mean, makes sense, right? Did you work anything out in the film that you had kind of wanted to in your own life? Well, I think that I I worked it out in the writing. By the time okay. that the film actually was made, I was so past those emotions. But like to give you like an, a better idea, that first draft of that film was a drama. Like angsty and angry and not happy <laughs> and and but then like you get you move through those emotions and that distance allows that that gives that perspective where you can see the comedy like within the situation well first of all that's wild but also yeah. bravo darren and i love a therapy moment or well, i was gonna ask town. if clea duvall with happiest season like tweeted at you or you tweeted at her because it's like such similar like hers is kind of the drama of right. more comedy. Right. Wasn't funny to me. I, Happiest Season wasn't funny to me. Yours was funny. I, I, I didn't, I don't remember laughing. And so through those moments that you like went from drama to comedy, was there anything specific like that your family or friends came to you afterward? And you're, they were kind of like, oh, I see now see it this way. Or I don't know, did, were there any like f- kind of great or maybe uncomfortable conversations that came from the people in your life that maybe saw themselves reflected or situations in the film? So the, there was one line in the film that I was nervous about keeping and putting it in the first place and then keeping it. And it was the line, um, I don't want to be gay. Because I was worried that that line was going to be taken out of context. Yeah. And like, of course, I don't feel that way. I like really don't like, love being gay. But like, you know, it was sort of get past that feeling of, oh, God, this is this is not what I thought my life was going to be. And that tension was surprising to a lot of people in my life because they all assumed that coming out was difficult because of what other people thought and expected. And to what Darren had said earlier is like, yeah, the hardest person it was for me to come out to was myself because this is not the way I saw my life. And that line, I remember sitting, I think next to you and maybe like live or something and watching it in that apartment. And I remember thinking like, that was so relatable to me because You know, when people, when activists, well, I guess we can't call them activists, when usually people in maybe the religious right say like, well, being gay is a choice. I'm like, who would choose it? You know, I've talked about this with Liz too. We talked about this, who would choose that? And it's not to say that I hate being gay or that being gay is bad or wrong, but it's harder. And I don't think anyone would would choose that. And that line was actually a very, it had a a huge impact. And I think it would help a lot of people because they don't see that, like, how could you possibly maybe feel uncomfortable with something that clearly you can't choose, right? That's honest. honest. It seems, I think all of us sitting here and Darren, you totally hit the nail on the head. Like, I don't think anybody is choosing a more difficult situation. I, I wouldn't think either, you know, I mean, it's not like, oh, I'm choosing to be straight because it's so, like, I just don't think people think about that when they aren't presented with the fact that we even have this show. And one of the main conversation points that we do have is around coming out 
and yeah. either the positive or the negative and kind of everything in between around that, because we have to do it, you know, and until we get to a point where we don't have to, there are definitely, I think, challenges, whether people want to admit it to themselves or not around coming out. So, yeah, I, I used to say when with the Q and A's and stuff and explaining that I always be like, if you ask somebody if they want to take a scenic stroll, are they going to take the smooth path or are they going to go the one that they have to do an uphill climb and then like get over the hump and then go back down? Like nobody's taking the difficult climb. Right. Darren right. loves a workout, loves a yeah. sweat band. <laughs> she might. Might. I might, but I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, you know, but I am a lesbian after all. I am a lesbian after all. But, you know, along with that, like, when you make a queer film, and I have not done that, so I am I am speaking from purely ignorant standpoint here, do you feel pressure to maybe hit a worldview that's yours or maybe hit a worldview that's most people's views? I mean, whose idea of queer are you trying to capture when you're making a queer film? Yeah, I think that's a, an excellent conversation and it's difficult to hit the right notes, I suppose, because, you know, when you're writing a story, it's through a particular lens and that is based upon and ex- inspired by personal experiences. And, and it's hard to say that that's representative of everyone. And I think there is a pressure of that, especially because it's an underserved demographic that is hungry for content that doesn't have as much content that they'd like. And so there is like a lot more pressure for these projects when they come out because people want them and they want to see their stories reflected in them. Yeah, And so it's impossible to tell a story that is all encompassing, but hopefully it comes from a place of authenticity grounded in some sort of truth that has universal themes that can touch as many hearts as possible. How'd you get Deirdre O'Connell? Isn't she a gem? Yeah, she is a gem. How'd you do it? I she, just want to know. Give yeah. us <laughs> the tips. Yeah. Well, you know, you have the casting directors that reach out to the agents and... <laughs> I know that, but I'm like, girl, did you have her in mind? Like, she yeah. is a rose. She is rose. Like, I mean, she... Like, of course, did you have... You know, I, I kind of always have the suspicion with writers that they, you know, in some way they do imagine physically what... obviously we all get breakdowns and et cetera. But like, did you know that's who you wanted? Like, I don't know. I just, I loved that. She's just so, there's just something so special about her. hundred percent. Like she just is this force that like radiates all the complications of and emotions involved in that role. And I, like when I thought that role, like she was, she's perfect. Totally. You know, and like she now she like swims in all of those emotions so seamlessly. It's I can't there aren't enough positive things I could say about her. Working with her was such a wonderful lesson. Are you guys homies? (laughs) You know, actually, it's a funny story. I was up in Hudson and I was like with my wife and I I was looking at this art gallery across the street. I was like, that looks like Deirdre's artwork. And then we walked across the street and it was Deirdre's artwork. They were doing a show. Whoa, that's did you that's text an her? Eye. Did you call yeah. her? Yeah. DM her? Yeah. You're like, like, hey, scissor <laughs> sister, I see your artwork across the street. Is that how the conversation went? Yeah, I yeah. I was more like, hey Deirdre, hope you're doing well. Um, it's Jenna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she, they were doing a show. She has she's an artist. 
That's awesome. We have we have two games that we want to play to you. My last question kind of for you actually tees into a game I want to play. So keep this in mind. But as a filmmaker, but also as an actress yourself, because you, 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 you starred in Lesbom, what do you feel about non-queer actors playing queer roles or vice versa? Because Liz and I are, I wouldn't say argue, we, we talk about this quite a bit uh, yeah. and we don't really know the proper answer maybe. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. We're dealing with this conversation right now for my next movie because as we start going out to cast, I think that it's, representation is so wildly important. It's difficult to say what the right answer is. Personally, as an actor myself, who also identifies as queer, I would like the opportunity to not always play queer roles. And I think that on the flip side, there are people who identify as straight who would also like to act in roles that allow them to expand beyond their, the, their everyday experience. So I think it's a case-by-case conversation. I think if there's a way to blur those lines, and that's what I'm interested in in my next film, where there's queer representation, but maybe not in the obvious roles. Like, what do you mean? Like you're having queer people play straight, like it does, you're just casting and you're having representation, but it just shows up in different ways. Like I would like a very fluid cast, um, but I would like uh, there to be lots of representation within that but I don't want it to be stuck within, I I don't want it to be role dependent. Yeah. Cause I think it gets tough, right? I think we've seen even in regards to race, right? Like there was a time when people of color had absolutely no opportunities to play leading roles. Still that needs to be worked on as well. And then well within to the Asian community. Right. And that's becoming, thank God, a conversation today. But then there was, I think, a tokenization where it just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? And now I think that's hopefully really evolving. And so I think extending that to the queer community is natural and hopefully something that people like you who are writing and making the films, you know, have more control over. So. Yeah, no, it's a great question. It comes up a lot. Well, that being said, if you need someone to scissor, Liz and I are available. We have very high (laughs) rates, but we're willing to do it. If you need someone to reenact the WAP video, Liz and I are also available, oh, Jenna. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Something I, I can shake to noodle it. with. Yeah, just something to noodle something with. Something just to have in your brain if you needed it. Well, <laughs> Jenna, we love to play a little game called Scissor Me This, and it's yeah. just rapid fire nonsense. Are you ready to play? Yeah, totally. Go ahead, Liz. You're, you're going to handle this game because I get to the next one. So go for it. Who would play you in a biop of your life? Ooh, I don't know. My dream probably would be like an Aubrey Plaza. She's just so fucking funny. Ooh, I see oh, that for great, you. I see that for you. I was thinking Rashida Jones, but I was like, oh my oh, God, she when she said- too. She No, but too. Aubrey Plaza. No, Aubrey no, Plaza is the Plaza. answer. No, that's the answer. Okay. That's the answer. We're going with A that. League of Their Own or Thelma and Louise? A League of Their Own. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, me too. That yes. was mine. It's yes, okay. League of Their Own. Speaking okay. of- icons who is the most underrated lesbian icon you know who i think is a a huge inspiration to me is rose trochet she's a director okay that's very inside baseball that's so heady so intellectual i'm like and i was hoping for you to i don't know what i was hoping for but yes sarah mclaughlin like i don't know okay fair all right fair 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 dream lgbtq actor to star in one of your films 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me one movie you hate to admit is overrated, but it is. I will say I just watched Promising Young Woman and I wanted it to be really good. And okay, I Darren, didn't you are like the only good. person who thinks that in the I know. And that's and I had that in mind when I thought of this question for Jenna. And I thought okay. Jenna was gonna agree with me, but you did it, Jenna. I wanted, I wanted the second Wonder Woman to be something else. Fair. Mm. Okay. Fair. Fair, fair. fair. All right. We all well, did. Okay. Thank you for playing Scissor Me This. This next game is a game we're playing that we're going to have visuals for. Okay. So uh, our Alexa, producers, Alexa, is teeing it up, but it's, it's, we're calling it better or broke. Okay. And essentially I'm going to show you two people. One is the real life star and the person, and then the other is the person that they're playing. And I just want you to tell me if that actor made that role better, or you just wish it was the original person in there. Right? So the first one we have up, as you can see, we got Princess Diana or Kay Stew. What do you think about this, Jenna? You know, I would have kind of loved to see the original person. Oh, totally. Oh my it's God. A, such the people's an, oh, princess. The people's princess. It's my my princess forever. I like, <laughs> even lesbians have to admit that like Diana's like better than Case Stew, which is like really hard, right? Like it's very hard to be like, oh no, but like mm, it is Princess Diana. Untouchable. You know, okay. I, do love, I love them both, but yeah, princess. It, it's gotta be Princess Di. Come on. How about Saran Jones? Or Ann Lister. She plays Ann Lister in Gentleman Jack. Now, Ann Lister's a looker, so I want you to really think about this one for a while. Strange Jones. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so can I just say I loved that show so much? <laughs> no, I'm obsessed with it. I love her. I'm obsessed with her, and I want her to be gay, but she's not, I don't think, so. She was convincing. That she was. <laughs> Harvey Milk or Sean Penn? I do love Sean Penn, but, you know, Harvey Milk is Harvey Milk. But, like, as an actor... Would we think, did Sean Penn elevate the role of Harvey Milk? Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Okay. Mm. Okay. okay. All right. Eddie Redmayne, or I think her name is Lily Elby. I can't remember how to pronounce uh, pronounce her name, but in The Danish Girl. Good one, Darren. Good one. Yeah. Good one. I'm just like, I'm, I just imagine in love with Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> he did a great job. I think as an actor, I felt like he, and certainly in a trans role, I felt at least as a viewer that he did it justice. Did you feel that he did the Danish girl justice as a filmmaker? I do. I'm not, but I also think that there's like so many important conversations about all of that, but yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sure there is. Agreed. Okay. Last and maybe the hardest one, Michael Douglas or Liberace. Liberace. Yeah. Okay. Really? No. I'm going to step into your game here. Michael Douglas, when he has sex with Matt Damon is bonkers. As a viewer, you're like, what is even happening here? No one ever, anyone? (laughs) Ravioli, what do you think? My dog. She's like, I don't care. That scene in as, as okay, fine as Michael Douglas, but everything else is Liberace. Okay, I gotcha, couldn't gotcha. believe this from Michael Douglas. Like this was so brain blowing to me. But yes, I agree. Oh uh, well, Jenna, you passed the test. Not that there was any grade to be passed, but you played better or broke. So good job on that one. And hopefully, Liberace or Saran Jones can star in your next movie. I think Gosh, that would be pretty great. If you. Get Saran Jones's number. You're giving it to me. Okay. Like that's it. That's it. Uh, Jenna, where can, I don't know how much info you can give, but this is your opportunity to have people follow you, follow your next project. If you want to talk about that, plug whatever you would like to plug. Yeah. I mean, people can find me on Instagram at Jenna Lorenzo, L-A-U-R-E-N-Z-O. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that's really where I 
post about my projects and stuff. And I look forward to, I do have a new film that we are putting together. So I'm really excited to share news when I can. Oh, can't wait to hear about it. Yes. And Liz, where can people find us? You can find Darren at Carpe Darren. You can find me at Listen to Liz. And you can find us together at SIAT Podcast on everything. And please rate, subscribe. It only takes like two seconds. Just go say something nice about us. That's yeah. all you got to do. That's all. Or Jenna. We'll take, we'll take Jenna. We'll take Jenna. And go watch Les Bomb on Amazon because that's where I watched it. Yeah. And thank you. It was a dream to meet you. Yeah, I love meeting so Darren's good. friends. Good to meet you. It was a dream to see you, Darren. I have my marching orders and numbers yeah. to get for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. You got to give Lord Clo- work. You can give Clois my number too. Because like that... <laughs> Is a good one too. <laughs> exactly. And Gina Davis. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. Oh, Gina Davis. All right, we got to get out of here because this is too much. Jenna, thank you so much for your time. You're awesome. Thank you. See you soon. Bye. Scissoring isn't a thing. Is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday.